Hi friends, welcome to the Hey Fundraiser podcast. I'm your host, Mary Hackett, and whether you are a frontline fundraiser, the operations professional, a board member, or just someone wanting to make an impact in your community, this podcast is for you. We cover all facets of fundraising, and our main objective is to give you ideas and inspiration to help you raise more money. Join us as we grow, learn, and make an impact together. Hey, fundraiser. This podcast is for all the new development directors out there who have recently started a new job. I'm going to give you all my tips and tricks so that you can quickly gain visibility, attain some early wins, and assess your staffing and your resources. Starting a new job is really hard. And as as you've probably heard, people in development hop from job to job. It's just part of our industry. And there's a number of reasons why they do that. Personally, I've left jobs before because I had a terrible boss. Uh, I've also left jobs in the past just to kind of move up in the world of philanthropy. Like I was capped at my current job, so I needed to take another job to expand my skills. The bottom line is that starting a new job is hard, especially in fundraising. When you start a new job, expectations are high. Oftentimes, CEOs, board members, and people within the organization believe that you're going to come into this job and just change everything and begin generating revenue on day one. They just don't know the reality, which is that it takes time to get to know the donors, the programs, the people, the staff, and then every other aspect of your new J-O-B. That's why I'm focusing today on how to jump into a new job, really understand the lay of the land, and hopefully have some early wins. I'm convinced that fundraisers who have early wins in a job stay at that job longer. And when fundraisers stay at that job longer, they raise more money. And there are just tons of benefits for keeping a fundraiser in their job. We're going to be digging into quite a few items today. So if you're interested in the visual behind everything we're going to talk about today, and actually what I like to look at when I start a new fundraising job, we're going to put a a download on the show notes page. And this PowerPoint deck that you can download, this is exactly what I request when I start a new position as a director of development. So let's just dig in. The first item to look at is past performance of all fundraising efforts. If you have staff, this is really going to give you insight into their performance. You need great staff because you're only as strong as your weakest link. It's important to look at staff from multiple perspectives. So from a data perspective, a structural perspective, and also from just a performance stance. If you don't have staff, the exercise we're about to talk about will is still going to work for you because we're going to look at revenue by channel. To look at all of your fundraising channels, you might need to ask your database admin to pull some reports. Now, because you're new and you might be their boss, they're going to try to impress you with all the ways they can like slice and dice data. So you just want to be very specific about how you want to see the data. I would ask for a pie chart that includes total revenue for your five big buckets. I mean, maybe it's four, but maybe it's five. This could be grants, major gifts, annual giving, 
events and plan giving. And it might look different for your shop. You don't need to see how every single annual giving appeal fared or how every single event over the last five years fared, at least not yet. But we're looking for high visibility into where your revenue comes from. The second pie chart that needs to be created is the expenses by those same big bucket areas, including salaries. So how much did it take to raise money for grants? How much did it cost to raise money through events or major giving or plan giving or events? And these two pie charts next to one another are going to tell you where you're spending money and where you're generating money. They should somewhat be aligned in a sense. I mean, you don't, you don't have to spend a lot of money to raise major gifts. It probably has the highest ROI, but you might have to spend a lot of money to throw an event and that's okay. But they should be aligned somewhat. With this data, you're going to be able to do a ton of things. First, you can calculate the cost to raise a dollar. I personally don't think that's the best metric, but many board members and organizational leadership pay attention to it. So you might as well know your cost to raise a dollar. I like to flip that calculation and use ROI instead. So return on investment. It's the same formula, but you switch expenses and revenue. For example, your cost to raise a dollar might be 20 cents. If you flip that formula, your ROI is $5, meaning every dollar you spend on fundraising, development brings back the organization five bucks. Such a better metric. I mean, people understand that. It's, it's one thing to say, oh, it's 30 cents to, or 33 cents to raise a dollar. And people will, will make judgments on that. But it's a totally different thing to talk ROI. If you say our cost to raise a dollar is 33 cents versus when you give us a dollar, we bring you back $3, immediately board members are going to start to think about their stock portfolio and think, wow, that's a better return than I can get on anything, which it is. So that's why I like ROI. Now, this information is going to get really interesting when you're calculating ROI by your five big revenue channels. So you're going to be able to say when you spend $1 on grants, how much does that bring you back? When you spend $1 on special events, how much does that bring you back? So you're going to understand your most profitable channels and your least profitable, which is going to help you make amazing decisions about strategy, future programming for development, assessing the departmental structure, and just understanding the philanthropic landscape. I mean, without this data, how can you even build good strategy and tactics? So the next thing that I ask for is a chart of solicitor performance. And this will show you, I like to go back three years, but this is going to show you, like, let's just say you have five major gift officers. You can look at how much they've raised going back three years. So for example, let's just say Randy, in year one, he raised, or I'm sorry, three years ago, he raised 515000 Well, two years ago, he raised 287000 And then one year ago, he raised 425,000. 
So what you're looking for here is one, who's killing it with major gifts? Because if you have found your rock star major gift officer, one, you want to keep them, but two, it might be an area to elevate people, um, elevate someone so that they can share best practices and help train people who aren't doing as well. This kind of data is also going to allow you to see if your major gift officers are growing year over year. Not all of your major gift officers are going to be there for the last three fiscal years. I mean, if they've been there two, if they've been there one, that's okay. It's the baseline. So what you're looking for is either consistency in, you know, they're raising 600000 a year at all three years. That's great. What you don't want to see is where they're losing money each year. Um, and there are, there, it, you know, there, it ebbs and flows, right? Like, you know, you might have a gift officer that closes a million dollar gift one year and then they don't, they can't renew that gift. And so it looks like a loss, but maybe the next year they close a $750,000 gift. This is also going to let you know if your portfolios are equitable. What I mean by that is that every gift officer has a chance to be successful. If you have, you know, our same five gift officers and one person is blowing, blowing it out of the water, it might be that that gift officer has been there the longest and they have really kind of taken all the good prospects. And that's not very fair either because everyone should have the chance to be successful, even if you're new in your role. So you want to look and make sure that your portfolios are equitable. And then it also is really about sharing best practices. So this, and you'll see this if you download the PowerPoint deck, the, soli the solicitor performance is really eye-opening and it's just going to help you understand how your major gift officers are performing. The other thing I like to look at is the median solicited gift. So you might see that your gift officer, Matt, he might not be raising as much as everybody else, but he's asking for the large and closing the largest gifts of all your gift officers. So there's something to be gleaned there as well. Next is to really do a deep dive into the organization's analytics. And when I say this, I mean looking at year over year so that you can get a sense of how things are changing. Like how is the philanthropic landscape for this organization evolving? So the first thing I like to look at is philanthropic revenue by fundraising tactic. And this is very similar to the first exercise we talked about, but this is just showing you the trend data. So I like to do a stacked bar chart which you'll see in the download, but like how much did annual giving bring in over the last five years? How much did grants bring in? How much did your gala or your luncheon, you know, whatever your signature events are, how much have they brought in? And then also how much of your solicited gifts? So you're really just looking at is overall giving increasing and what is causing that increase? And once you understand that, Again, you can build great strategy and tactics. The second thing I like to look at is distribution by gift level. This is also a three-year analysis, and it looks at your different giving levels and how many donors you have in each of those levels going back three years. So for example, if we're looking at 25,000 to 50,000, 
In 2020, you might have had 10 donors at that level. In 2021, you might have 14. So that's like a nice jump. And then in 2022, you might have gotten 12. So a little bit of a decrease. This really allows you to see where is their churn? Where is their stability? And also allows you to look at the philanthropic landscape. Huge. Next, you want to look at attrition by donor type. So where are you losing donors? So if you look at the last two fiscal years, who gave two fiscal years ago and then who didn't give last fiscal year? So this would be a bit of a, it would be a libunt last year, but unfortunately not this. But if you're midway through the fiscal year, that's going to look a little different. So I would urge you to look at the last two full fiscal years. So it's a libunt with a twist. And really look at it by donor type. So how many individuals did you lose? And what's that lost revenue from that group? And what's the median gift from lost individuals? And I would do that for individuals, corporations, foundations, and family foundations. Uh, government, I wouldn't really do it for that because some sometimes, you know, there's a lot of um, red tape and some things aren't renewable. And so that's that's a whole cyclical grant process, depends on elections and all that jazz. So I wouldn't really look at uh, government or estates, of course. But this is going to give you insight into what is the impact of lost donors on your new fundraising program. And it will also help you with your retention, which is the next thing that you should look at. I like to look at retention in three different ways. The first is just your overall retention rate. The national average teeters between 41% and 44%, like depending on the source that you look at. And there's a sweet spot with retention. If you're between 50 and 70% retention, you're you're killing it. If you're over 70%, then it's time to build, you need a bigger donor pool. Um, And then if you're under 50%, like there's some work to do with your retention. So the first thing you look at is your overall retention. The second thing you look at is what is your retention by donor type? So are you, do you have 80% retention with your family foundations, but only 26% retention rate with your individuals. So this also provides deep insight into who's continuing to give. And the third way to look at retention is by gift level. So are you retaining donors at $10,000 or more? Are you retaining donors between $5,000 and $10,000 or $1,000 and $5,000 or $500 to $1,000 and then under $500? Like what does that look like when it comes to retention? So that's really going to help you understand and implement new tactics to increase those dollars and keep those donors. Next is to really look at your board giving. And this is just important because it's 100% of your board should be giving to you every fiscal year. Now, the reason we like participation rates is because that accounts for equity. So 
you might have some board members that could make you could give you a million dollars and you might have some board members that can give you ten dollars and we want everybody to count and so that's why i would urge you to look at participation and urge a hundred percent board giving and you'll see uh, a couple different ways we sliced this in the downloadable the next thing is if you know we're moving a little bit away from analytics and we're really working to get you out and talking to donors. So the first list that I would recommend that you pull or you have your data admin pull is your most loyal donors. We're looking at people who have given for five plus consecutive years. So this list, if you had your at your database admin pull, you know, the name, the spouse name, the city state, and lifetime giving, and then how much they've given over the last five years, that is a wonderful list. Um, if, you're, if you have 10 minutes before your next meeting, that's the list you want to go to just to call and say thank you and see if they'd like to meet. I mean, clearly, if they've been giving to you for at least five consecutive years, when you call, they're going to know your organization they're going to pick up the phone and you'll most likely get a meeting out of it. So this is the group that because of their loyalty, they might tell you when you sit down to have coffee with them or lunch with them that they've left you in their estate. I mean, this is really good plan giving area here. So the first list is your most loyal donors. And I would highly recommend that you called every single one of them and ask them for lunch, uh, thank them for their giving, reach out. And if they don't want to meet, but they'll answer your phone call, ask them questions about what has inspired them to give for so long. And are is your organization in their top three philanthropic charities? I mean, there's all kinds of great questions that you can ask just to understand the mentality of your loyal donors. The second list I would urge you to pull are potential major gift upgrades. Now, this is where your quick wins come in. So pull a list of all donors who have given to your organization between $1,000 and $5,000 for the last three consecutive years. This is a wonderful prospect, and they're easily upgraded to a $10,000 level. I don't remember where I learned this, and maybe this just came from years and years and years of major gift work, but if somebody is giving you $1,000 a year, they should be asked for a $10,000 gift. It could be a pledge over five years, and they're really just doubling their gift over the next five years, but they should be asked for a $10,000 gift. I think that just came from 25 years of major gift work, but this is the list that you should immediately go after and upgrade them. The last list I would recommend is pulling your open and aging pledges. Now, these pledges were probably closed and negotiated before your time with the organization. However, fulfillment on these pledges is critical. And if you can jump in, meet the donors, and fulfill those pledges, it shows that you have a really amazing skill of jumping in and finishing work, major gift work, that someone else has started. So I would ask your data admin, or if you have the skills to yourself, go in and pull a list of all your open and aging pledges. 
Who has a pledge payment due in the next 60 days? Um, If they've signed up with your organization for a long-term pledge, this is a loyal group of donors. They care about your organization. This is also a list of quick, easy meetings. And if you go meet with them, it's going to get you out and talking to people. You can introduce yourself and get that pledge fulfilled. And it's also a great time to ask questions, start to learn from your donors why they give. So talk to them about their pledge and what inspired it and what is their philanthropic vision. I mean, there are so many great things that you can talk to your prospects about. Okay, fundraiser, I've given you all my tips and tricks. These things have truly helped me start new jobs, enjoy quick wins, get to know the donor base, and just frankly understand where to spend my time and where to spend my very precious resources like budget dollars. So my hope is if you're out there and you're starting a new job, that these are some of the things you'll ask for in the very first week that you start the job. However, if you're out there and you've been in the job, you know, six weeks or three months or even six months, I mean, five years, these are still great staple pieces of advice that can help you maintain a fundraising program. I really hope this helps you and head on over to the show notes page and download the PowerPoint because I promise if you keep this for every new development job that you start and pull these lists, look at your philanthropic landscape, understand your ROI, you are going to be an immediate rock star right out of the gate. Until next time. Hey, fundraiser. Thanks so much for being here today. Did you know that we create a special page for each episode that has helpful links, episode highlights, standout quotes, and freebies? Check it out in today's episode description. If you loved what you heard today, would you kindly give us a rating and review? It really helps other fundraising professionals find our Hey Fundraiser community. I'm Mary Hackett, and thank you for listening.